We interrupt this regularly scheduled sponsor to give you a special sponsor update. Fuck you, Frank. And now we return to your regular sponsor. We don't have time for true natural selection. We would all be hideously overcrowded and starved waiting for that. The next best solution is to have individual units kill off other individual units. From time to time, we've had to stir the pot, so to speak. The Revolt of the Seven, the McGregor Riots, the Great Curtis Revolution. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roll the Credits, the podcast, the only podcast that's really addicted to Chronal. <laughs> I'm Zach. And I'm Frank. And today we are here to talk about Snowpiercer. Yes, we are. So, we kind of messed up a little bit. Um, right. So, this, the elephant in the room. Yes, I, I <laughs> fucked up. I misread, like, what number we were at. So, sorry guys in advance. I know the last episode we said we were going to do Evil Dead 2. That will be the next episode. Right. This is going to be Snowpiercer. 99. Yes, yeah, so this will be the 99th episode. So, in that way, it makes sense. All right, so that gives us the rundown. All right, guys. So, we are doing Snowpiercer today. Came out in 2013. Directed by John Bong Joon Ho. Nope. Nope. Bong Joon Ho. Bong Joon Ho. <laughs> who made? Yeah, did Parasite. Yeah, he did Parasite, and <laughs> did he Okja. also did uh, the host. He did the host. He did Okja. He did a bunch of uh, yeah, a pretty lot of good cool films. stuff that yeah. we like. Yeah. Um. So who you have in this film? You have Chris Evans, who plays Curtis. Mm-hmm. He's your main character. You have Tilda Swinton, who plays Mason. You have Ed Harris, the main antagonist, who plays Wilford. You have John Hurt in this, who plays Gillian. And then you have Jamie Bell, who plays Edgar. And Kang Ho Sun, who plays Namgoon Minsu. Good job. Thank you. <laughs> who was the dad in Parasite. Yes. Um, and this film is about in a future where a failed climate change experiment has killed all life except for the lucky few <laughs> who boarded the Snowpiercer. Uh, the, uh, it's a train that travels around the globe. And within this train, each kind of cart is kind of like a new uh, or just kind of like it's based off of classes. So it's like lower class, middle class, upper class. Yeah. So the, the, the rear end of the train is all like the lower class. And then the further you go up, it's more high society, high class stuff. Uh, it's basically about Chris Evans is like, uh, we need to get to the front <laughs> of the train. <laughs> and he's also like. I'm not a leader, but everybody keeps pushing. But like, everyone's no, like, no, no, you're, you're a leader. leader. And he's like, all right, I guess I'm a leader. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> What'd you think of it, though? Because this was your first time and my first time Yeah, overall, it. I thought it was okay. Yeah, right? Like, I, didn't, I didn't love it. I, I wanted to love I, it. I really, I thought the concept was really cool. Yeah. Um, I think my issue with the film at its core for me is that I felt like it was very oddly paced. Yeah, and, right? and I felt like you could definitely tell that Bong Joon-ho wasn't, a season like he wasn't as seasoned as a director as as like you know parasite like parasite is like masterful just yeah 100 like directorial just orgasm and this was definitely more like all right some of the shots are really strange really weird like music choices mm-hmm. and or choosing to take out music in weird spots I thought some of the action scenes felt very clunky and awkward. Yeah, and especially like just the shaky cam. The shaky cam, like when Chris Evans slips on a fish. <laughs> like, hilarious, It, it was but hilarious, why? but also just like, it was just like a weird, I don't know, just the way that it was filmed, it just made like the action scenes feel awkwardly paced mm-hmm. throughout. Yeah, I completely agree because this film is two hours and six minutes long. Yeah. And I don't, like... The middle portion of it, when they're like 
going from train cart to train cart, mm-hmm. it just felt like so odd for yeah. some reason. Mm-hmm. And like a couple of the other things that I have issues with, like I mentioned before, like Curtis's character. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to be like, here we go. Here's Chris Evans not being Captain America and he can showcase that he's a really good actor. Mm-hmm. And he was just kind of like, okay yeah, in this. I don't think... I mean, I've actually never seen Chris Evans in any movie mm-hmm. ever except for the f- the handful of Marvel films that I have seen and he's only been Captain America in those. Yeah. So this is the first movie that I've ever seen him break out of that. And I thought he was fine. He was also the Human Torch in the Fantastic Four movies. I never saw those. Good. They're not, they're not good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I get. I just thought he was okay. I mean, it's it was kind of like a, like a 90s George Clooney acting where it's yeah. kind of just like look down at the floor and then look back up at the person and kind of grunt some words. <laughs> yeah. And that's like he just he kind of like mumbles throughout it until yeah. the end when he gives like his big speech. Yep. About when they first got to the back of the train, yeah, and they all resorted to like cannibalism, and Curtis admits that he almost ate a baby. I think he did. He he admits that he did eat a baby. Well, no, he ate the mom. Oh right, but right, the, right. the baby was Edgar. Yeah, I thought that was like a. Uh, I thought that was a decent exposition scene where mm-hmm. you were getting a little bit of like character development, and he and I thought like a powerful sentence in there was. I mean, he says something to the sim- similar effect of like, the thing I hate most about myself is what human tastes like or, or that I know yeah. what humans taste like. And I was like, that's a really good like quote to like pull out from the film. Be like, yeah. all right, that was uh, that was pretty powerful. That, that was dark. Yeah. And then earlier too, you get with like him with Gilliam and like he lifts up his shirt and shows like the scar. And at that point, you have no idea what that meant. Right. But then after that scene, you understand that he tried to cut off his arm to give it to people too. Right. So, and he just couldn't do it. Yeah, I, I think that it was. I think that was a a pretty powerful, climactic, character developmental scene for him. But overall, I just didn't really care about him. No, and honestly. he's not a good leader because he let Edgar die. He let he had the he had the choice like when they were in the fight train cart. Yeah, to either go after mason or go back for edgar and just decided to go after mason and well you know i don't know i don't know if that if that does make him a good leader or not because i mean that's Mm. kind of like the the trolley predicament thing i don't know if you're like familiar with that but that's basically like if you have if you have your family if your family is like strapped to like a train track and like a train's coming Mm -hmm. and it's like whatever you, you have a family of like four people or on the opposite side of the track you have 10,000 people strapped, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, who, who, who oh, do you... Yeah, yeah, and you yeah. only have time to save one. Mm-hmm. Like, who do you choose to save? Do you save the 10,000 people or do you save the five people that you love? Yeah. So it's like, what's what's the right choice? And like, I think that that's kind of like what he went through there where it's kind of like, I either... But the thing is, like, I'm not even entirely sure w- what his end goal really was because yeah. he didn't really want to be a leader I, I guess he just wanted to get to the front of the train to prove a point to like yeah right like yeah, what 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 was really the because he never there he, there he didn't want to destroy the train he didn't want to destroy the train and and he never really fully committed to the idea of of becoming the leader of the train and then changing how the this how the each individual cart works yeah. So it's kind of just like, why exactly are we going here? So at the end of the day, it's really just to get to Wilford to but then have a conversation. 
Yeah, I mean, he wants to go there to kill Wilford, but right. then what? Because then you have no conductor of the train, so right. somebody has to take over. Yeah. And it, it just kind of left, it's like, what was the point of the film? Yeah. And then you have, like, the whole concept where it's, like, people think that, like, you can survive outside mm-hmm. in the cold. I really don't think you could survive out there. No. I mean, There's no. nothing and out honestly, there. And honestly, I'll be honest. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm, I'm a, a fairly intelligent human being. <laughs> but, like, I didn't really understand the ending with the polar bear? Yeah. Ah, uh, I guess to show that, that like there's life yeah, that, 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 that you can survive. can survive, but that's also very different because that's a fucking polar yeah, bear. They survive and, in that <laughs> weather. <laughs> that's what they thrive in. <laughs> and then you have human beings like, all right, because at the end when you just have the mm-hmm. two kids, the entire train is destroyed. Yeah. So they no longer have any type of food yeah uh heat they have so they're now out they're every city around and in the entire world just seems to be completely frozen over right so it's like a mass um ice age basically so it's like these kids aren't going to be able to survive more than a day and a half like where are they going to be able to like what are they going to do follow that polar bear because that polar bear i promise you will eat them <laughs> like <laughs> well they can go back inside the burning train i guess for there's uh, fire in there there is fire for a little while but i didn't really quite understand like what the message i like yeah. i understand the message yes. of the film of like society and class and like class and how it works and and how the rich view the poor and how yeah. the poor view the rich and and all that and i think that worked really well I thought like, that was great in the beginning when they're really talking about like you know the back end of the train versus the front end of the train yeah. it works so well because like here is exactly what you need in like this is how society is mm-hmm. and i was like cool awesome yeah and then in the middle of it it's like what the fuck is going on yeah and then when you get to that end, and then you're just like, all right, he's in high societyville. He he gets there, the train crashes, kids walk out, no, everyone's dead. Literally, everyone's dead. Yes, there's nobody else. And even that was unrealistic to me. I was like, everybody, everybody should have been dead. No, like those kids should not have survived. No, you see how that train just yeah, flipped. like the way <laughs> it's it's over. <laughs> um, but whatever, it's a movie suspended uh, suspended belief. They come out, and mm. then I don't. I just don't know what that was supposed to be representing. Like, was yeah. it supposed to be a happy ending? Like, was that supposed to... I don't think to- it was supposed to be a happy ending. I think it's supposed to just show, like, you know, some form of life is surviving, but it's not going to be easy for them to survive. It's not going to be plus, humans. Plus, two, they're technically... Unless they they make, like, something else showcasing, like, another society. A separate train. Mm-hmm. A monorail, even. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they're the last two humans on Earth. Right. So now they so, have to repopulate, I and they're, they're seven, or not yeah. even, so it's going to take a little while for them to reach appropriate age to be even even be able to begin to repopulate. What if they don't like each other? That's true. And they, they don't understand each other. Class. There's no class to There's pass no, the note of, like, do you like me? <laughs> yeah, yes, <right>. no, maybe? <laughs> so, like, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it was, I don't know. I thought it was an odd ending to a already kind of, like, staggering movie that was just kind of, like, I don't know. Again, it just felt like it was kind of losing itself throughout once once you really start getting into towards like the middle like the mm-hmm. meat of it it just really feels like we're losing uh grip on like what you set up in the beginning exactly and that brings up to like a problem that i have with how the train carts are set up because through like 
the middle half of the film when they're traveling through the train carts. Like, yeah. once they get to the point of, like, they open the door and there's that huge, like, fight scene where it's like the guys are taking axes and cutting through a fish and, like, right. they're ready to fight. Right. Once you get that point That was past, weird. Yeah. Like, that was a really, again, like, oddly paced, really strange action scene. But then that's the thing is, like, right... The cart after that is, like, the one with plants and yeah. trees... And then after that is an aquarium. Right. And then after that is a sushi bar, bar. Right. And then after that is a classroom. And then so on and so forth where it's like the sauna and the pool and everything. Yeah. So you're telling me if I'm a child and I have to go to class, I have to get through the murder cart first to get to classroom? Well, no, because they would be going... They would. I would imagine they, they're in the higher society, right? So they would, they would be coming f- from, from the, the front towards the back. So they'd be coming from the room that just has Kronal everywhere. And then right, the because they would have to go through the club. Yeah. Right. So it, it's just yeah. weirdly set up. Yeah, yeah, And then right. Kronal's a weird drug where it's like, it's a highly flammable substance that's not supposed to be a drug, but if you sniff it, you, you get, get real high. fucking high. So it's like gasoline. Yeah. So like if you drink it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know. Really odd. Um, there are, there were though like a few things that I, I mean... I didn't hate this film. Like, Mm-mm. there are definitely, like, aspects of it that I that I did enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I thought that, like, the idea of how they were going to get through the, those first few doors when they, yeah. like, attached all those barrels to one another and then they ran through so the doors couldn't shut and then they were running on top of the barrels. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really clever and I yeah. thought that was really cool. Um, and then there was, there was that one, like, kung fu master guy. Yeah, I don't know who he was, but like he was pretty badass. Like I thought he was like really actually like a like a really cool character, and I felt like his action scenes tended tended to be like the most interesting, even though he only had like two. Well, yeah, that's why. Like I forgot his name. I thought I wrote it down. Doesn't but, matter. Like, <laughs> yeah, but like same thing. Like he was awesome, and then he was kind of like Gillian's bodyguard almost. Yeah. And yeah. like when he derobes and like he's running on the pipe and he's got the tattoos all yeah, over. Yeah, and he does like that sweet like he runs up on the wall of the train and then comes around and then just fucking stabs that big dude in the chest. And yeah. I was like, that guy's badass. But then Why he, do we not have more of him? Yeah, and then he gets punked out, killed so easily in like I was the sauna ups- scene. I was pretty upset about that. And then the bad guy like gets stabbed in the side and just kind of walks it off after 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So his death, like his character in general, I thought was really weird Mm -hmm. because it was like, you have no introduction to him at all. He just, this movie in a way kind of felt like a video game. Yeah. And where like, it's like a series of like mini boss battles. You know what I mean? (laughs) A little bit. And like, he just kind of like walks out and then you're just supposed to accept that he's like some big badass dude. And, He's kind of just like a chubby, balding white dude yeah. who, like, shouldn't, doesn't really look badass in any way. <laughs> and Besides, like, the suit. Yeah, and and he's, like, a master Kong. Like, he's just really, really great at, like, hand-to-hand combat. Mm. And I don't know. It was just so strange because, like, even Chris Evans' character is just, like, kind of getting punked, like, by this dude. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, like... Even like Chris Evans doesn't have like, in a way like, the lead that you want from like lead character. Like he doesn't have that like persona of like mm-hmm. oh. And I guess that may have been the point where it's like he doesn't want to be a leader, but like he also should be able to like defend himself. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, and, like much like Sicario, where it's like Kate Macer like 
you know that she's not like a tactical wizard where right. she can like she can hold her own. Yeah. But that works for that movie. Yeah. This movie I felt like this movie you want you your lead character. Him. Yeah, you want him to be like a badass. Yeah. And like I don't know. I thought I thought the uh when they get to the point where like they get to the cart of uh where they're making those protein bars. I don't feel like they should have freaked out as much because bugs are they're high fine. in protein. Yeah. Like it's fine. You're churning them. Yeah. Although to have it as like a jello brick it was pretty gross yeah it, it was nasty like people lick it yeah and then people just eat it yeah um something that i thought was badass though from curtis was when they're still in the back and he discovers like they don't have any bullets and he goes yeah, up yeah, yeah. and puts the gun and pulls the trigger and nothing's there yeah and then everyone's and then, like no bullets, no bullets! <laughs> we'll yeah. rush them yeah, and it's yeah. like that's awesome yeah like, I, th- I thought it was really cool when uh curtis and that guy that we were talking about the like guy that kicked the badass out. Guy. yeah yeah him when they were having like their shoot off from like different parts of the train and they were like sh- and they were shooting that. through the windows i thought it was kind of cool it didn't really make a lot of sense but they got to a point where like they they both like shot one bullet each and they both kind of got headshots but it was you know the the bulletproof glass d- protected them but it was kind i thought it was kind of cool of just like both realizing like mm-hmm. It was just kind of like checkmate and then checkmate. It was just kind of yeah. like, okay, I could kill you if I really wanted to. And, and then the other guy's like, I could kill you if I really wanted to. But Curtis won that draw. But though. Curtis won for sure. And then, yeah, when he's like dead on the ground and he's got like the fucking like sword in him. And then this guy like makes his way like towards the end mm-hmm. when, when Curtis is talking to Wilford and they're having their conversation. I thought that scene was awesome. That yeah. really like tied everything together. And yeah. especially to like bringing in the fact of like, you know, Gilliam is working with Wilford because like you have to have like equality between the front and the back. Mm-hmm. So it's like we're producing people to have a riot. So in that way we can control the population inside the train Yeah, because we can't wait for natural selection. Right. I thought that was really cool. And then to have like Curtis break down inside the, the running system and just realize, like, oh, fuck, this is all true. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of get, like, that point where it's, like, he's actually considering taking over for Wilfred. Yeah. And it's, like, oh, man, could we have, like, a villain set up here? Yeah. By the way, the guy's name was Gray. Gray. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, then it almost felt, too, sorry to cut you off, but it almost felt, too, like it was more of a rescue mission because Tanya's kid was taken, so they went to go find him. Right. So and they do, but like it was. Don't you think it was real weird that like Chris Evans' character is like he like pulls open the floor and he sees yeah just immediately. But he so he sees him like working inside the train underneath like the contraption of like whatever all the gears and whatnot, and the kid just like doesn't acknowledge that like that he's there that he's there and like Chris Evans has his whole arm in there and he's like trying to reach for him. And, like, the kid, it doesn't seem like the kid even knows that he's there. Well, maybe he's, like, brainwashed at that point. Like, maybe they do something when they bring him up I there. guess, because everybody, I guess, kind of, like, when, when they pull, like, the people who are... What do they call the people from the back of the train? I can't remember. They have, like, a specific name for them. But whatever. Like, the lower class, when they pull yeah. them towards the front of the train, like, the, with that one guy who's, like, the violinist, mm-hmm. like, when he comes back, 
when you see him, he's like definitely like brainwashed. Or like the guy that is making those protein bars, he's like gone crazy and like doesn't doesn't really remember like who the who any of the the people from the back of the train are, even though they all remember him. Yeah. So like I guess there's got to be like some type of brainwashing situation going on to like make them more um just like submissive and like agree to what's going on, and so they don't try to like turn and like kill anybody. I guess. But it was just like oh, I thought it was a really weird choice because like Chris Evans is just like laying on the ground like about about to lose his arm. And he's trying so hard to get this kid out of there, and the kid just like never even Doesn't like looks up. Like him. he's just like working. <laughs> yeah. And I just thought it was like a really weird kind of just odd thing. Um, and then I don't know, like the whole aspect of like when that main boss guy kind of like comes back, yeah. when all the ravers are like all well, of a sudden just he, like, hey, we're gonna if I don't know, they just like decide to fight yeah, for some reason. Namjoon took like all of their chrono. Yeah. And. They have plenty of it. The yeah. floor is made I'm, of it. <laughs> and I'm sure that they're, like, so high out of their minds that, like, you really wouldn't notice. Like, you yeah, know what I mean? I guess. Um, but, the, yeah, the entire rave comes after him. And then the boss guy comes through again. And I'm just like, I don't care. Yeah. And Like, how are you still going? Yeah, exactly. I, like, how are you still going? And then it was, like, one of those few movies. And, look, I don't really watch action movies like mm-hmm. this very often but if like you could definitely tell that like while they're having like their battle in the back and then you have Chris Evans like talking to Wilford in the front like you can tell that there's like a weird like time issue going on with like the conversation that's happening is like minutes and minutes and minutes long and then you have like the boss guy walking in and then they're not fighting yet for, no. like, minutes. And it's just, like, he's, like, still walking <laughs> in towards him as, like, they're having a conversation for, like, seven minutes. So, like, that felt... And, th- and that's just kind of, like, what I mean with, like, the odd kind of pacing of the movie. Where the action scenes just don't flow really well. Yeah. And, you know, you have, like, the like the whole thing with um, when those guys come out with the fish. And it's, like, like, those SWAT team guys. And, mm-hmm. then they, and then they go, like, night vision. And then, How did they hear from all the way in the back, like, fire, we need fire? Well, that's exactly what I'm going to get to, right? So they, they have, like, the whole, like, oh, we need fire. So then that gets relayed all the way down. And then you have all these SWAT guys who are just standing there waiting for this dude from the all the way in the back of the train to then run all the way to the front of the train. Yeah. And then make it there. And they're just, and they're just standing there waiting. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense because... They should just be slaughtering them right now. Like, <laughs> don't let them get fired. Like, don't let them bring it. Like, what do yeah. you like? It's just it was just so odd. I know. I don't. I don't get that part. Yeah, um, and there's just a lot of just weird. Again, like really, really just weird action scenes. Like, yeah. where the music is like it doesn't it's, flow with it, it. It doesn't flow with it, and then all of a sudden the music goes out, and then the slow mo was kind of like odd. Like specifically, I already mentioned it, but like when he slips on the fish, and like it's just like. Why? Why? For slapstick comedy? And I guess, and it's also just like, it's just, it just felt so weird when when he did it in slow-mo. It just didn't feel like organic, Yeah, I guess. It, it, it felt very Hollywood movie, and it just felt strange to me. Yeah. You, like and it you, was silent. There was no music. It was just so silent. And yeah. I was just like, this is almost, like, it's awkward. Like, it literally feels awkward. And then you had the one guy, too, like, in the back that can draw, and he's almost like... Drawing, dude. Like he's prophecy. just pumping out drawings yeah. like way too. <laughs> like, where's this guy getting charcoal and paper? <laughs> yeah, but like he's pumping out stuff that like looks like it's prophecy. Yeah, 
moments. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, uh, is this what we're leading to? And kinda? it just never really gets there. I don't know. Um, a couple, like two small things that like I did want to touch on that I thought was really cool in this mm-hmm. film. One is the use of color mm-hmm. on specifically on characters. I got that from like the very beginning when you get the girl that comes in in full yellow. Right. I liked the idea that Bong Joon Ho used it for you can symbolically you can show like who's upper class and who's right. lower class because everybody from the back has like the the rags and like dark colors and then from the front you have these people with like Vibrant. bright yeah. colors to it. Yeah. I thought that was a really good choice of costume. Uh-huh. Um, the shots that you got of outside, I really liked how they showcase, like, even though it's it's somewhat noticeable CGI, yeah. you you look at it and you're like, wow, that looks good. Yeah. Like, of just everything frozen over. Mm-hmm. And then finally, like, again, we touched on it, but world building, mm-hmm. that's always been, like, something that I love in films. Right. is like, if you can build a world right. to sustain, like, what's going on. And while I do feel like this movie missed the mark on some aspects, I liked the idea of every train cart, like, seeing something different and seeing, like, how this train fully functions. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I, th- I liked um, the... There was one specific scene. So I felt like... I, I, I kind of liked that I disliked the scene when they get to the kids' uh, kindergarten or whatever, like, the classroom mm-hmm. aspect. I felt like it really slowed down a lot. Yeah. And... And like it was again, it was just really weird. Although the songs that they were singing kind of made me laugh a little yeah. bit because they were so like self-deprecating and just like really, really just not. If we go outside, we die. <laughs> we die. <laughs> yeah, like it was. It was very like funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely felt like it slowed down a lot. But I, I, I did enjoy it. I guess like looking back on it, yeah. like the whole the like because I mean once the. The, the guy with the eggs comes in and delivers like the guns and yeah. then thought that was pretty that cool. That was awesome. Thought that was pretty cool. Um, and then one thing that I thought was really like a, a clever uh, way of showcasing the pure, just like inhumane and like the way that they pun and the way that they punish people was when they make that guy stick his arm outside of the train for yes. seven minutes. Yes. And then they pull it back in and then they break his arm because his arm is completely frozen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they just like take like a sledgehammer to his arm and they just shatter his it's, arm. It was nuts. Yeah. I was but like, like wow. his acting was really weird. Yeah. That guy that gets his arm shattered, his acting was so strange. Because, like, in one scene, I know what you mean, because one scene, like, he's, like, screaming his head off. Yeah. And then the next scene, Mason puts the shoe on his head. Yeah. And he's just kind of, like, sitting there whimpering or, like, about to laugh. Yeah. And I'm like... Yeah, like, the, the way that the, it was, like, edited where it's, like, his acting was just so strange. Yeah. Where it's, like... And I don't know if that was because he was high, like if he was supposed to be like high off that Cronar stuff or like what it was, but like the way that he was reacting to stuff where he was like screaming and then just kind of like just hanging out, being okay, and then like <laughs> laughing and then crying and then whatever. It was just felt like really, really odd. Um, I don't know. It was it was it was a weird film. It was. And I, but, and, I, and I'm fine with weird movies, mm-hmm. but like I feel like this was weird in all the wrong ways. <laughs> like yeah, it was kind of odd. Like it was just weird for like direction. I don't think the story was that great. Some of the acting was kind of questionable. Overall, I think it was an okay movie. Yeah. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I just thought it was... It's a really cool concept. It was though. a really, really cool concept, though. Yeah, I, I, I agree I with that. I just don't understand how they're going to make a TV show out of this. Because um, I, I saw that because I looked it up. Yeah, I saw that, like, they, that they're this, having a TV this show. This movie explained everything. Yeah. So what do you need a 12-episode a miniseries to showcase it? Yeah, I don't know. Ah, whatever. Yep. I, I liked it. Yeah. For, I, 7 out of 10. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Six out of ten? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Zach, you have a recommendation? I do. Um, I don't know if you've ever gotten this question before, but like... I've gotten it before where... It's like, please, will you take that penis out of your <laughs> will, mouth? <laughs> will you please take it out of me? I'm like, no. <laughs> it's mine forever. Um, when you get, like, somebody that asks you, like, what is to you the perfect album? Like, an album mm. where you can listen from start to finish and not skip anything and love every track. Yeah. For me, for a long time, I didn't have an answer. Like, even the bands that I absolutely love, like... Stuff that David Bowie's done, Led Zeppelin, uh, Pink Floyd. I can't sit there and say, like, I love every, every single, single track, song. Right. That but. changed. <laughs> that changed. Um, because I think the debut album of Jimi Hendrix, Are You Experienced, uh-huh. is a perfect album. Mm. I listen, like, because I do this where every now and again, like, I'll listen to a band's entirety. Yeah. And I started doing it with Jimi Hendrix. And... Just from the opening song of Purple Haze, yeah, one of like his most iconic songs. It's just so awesome, and then ending with like something like Red House, where like it's so like in your face, like very like down to earth, and something that like even from last week when I recommended Polyphonics, yeah, they had a video on Jimi Hendrix's use of the four elements, so earth, wind, water, fire, mm-hmm. and. It, it was kind of interesting because, like, watching that video and listening to, like, how he describes, like, you know, most of Jimi Hendrix stuff, you can really feel, like, fire. Yeah. But, like, you have the ones where it's, like, he'll use, instead of earth, it'll be sand. And okay. you get that feeling. Yeah. And, like, the, the songs of wind and, like, some of the songs where, like, he really just wails on the guitar like it's water. It was was interesting to listen to the album and, like, in my head be like, oh, this is a fire song. Oh, this is an earth song. Oh, this is a wind song. Yeah. But Jimi Hendrix is probably the best guitarist to ever live. I know that's that's saying a lot to some people, but he's he's definitely top five. Mm -hmm. No matter who you ask, he's top five guitarist to ever live. Yeah. And I think... Are You Experienced really was a hard hitter to showcase this is who he is and this is what he can do. Yeah, I've actually never really listened to him. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know why. It's like everybody knows the name, everybody knows Purple Haze. Yeah. But I've actually never really sat My girlfriend is really is pretty uh, big into him. She has a few of his records, but I don't know, I've actually never sat down and actual Is he more though of a guitarist or is he an actual like lyricist too oh yeah he's a lyricist like too. he actually like, he, like sings and mm-hmm. does the whole the whole gamut All yeah right. he writes everything um you have like awesome stuff too like the i believe it was the third day at woodstock when like everybody started to leave right and then and he comes out and plays with his teeth no he um <laughs> he played the national anthem right with his teeth no yeah uh, maybe at one point he used, he used <laughs> his teeth at some point <laughs> maybe but it sounded amazing yeah and yeah like i'm for you, I recommend Are You Experienced? I All think right. you would really enjoy that album. Cool. I like rock, so. And it, it's like psychedelic, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm into that. Cool. All right. Awesome. All right, so things are a little messed up now. Yeah. So what you guys are going to actually be hearing is Evil Dead Part 2. And then after Evil Dead Part 2, then we're going to be reviewing Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight. Ooh. So uh, be on the lookout for that because mm-hmm. I love that movie um but 
just realized that what we say at the end of Evil Dead 2 <laughs> is actually not what's really going to happen. Yes. So, <laughs> yes. Uh, I'll, I'll try and like edit that out. I already finished that one. Okay. But. All right. So that's where we're at. Uh, Zach, thank you. And take us out. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Now, Frank, the engine is eternal. Rattle, rattle, rumble, rumble.